hearts. Each of us, Lord, with our own story, with our own, with our own journey to where we are today. So, Lord, as we come into your presence, Lord, I ask you to touch each one with, with your spirit. Lord, bless each one so that burdens that come in through that door stay with you and, and don't go out with, with any of us. And Lord, we also bring our celebrations to you and uh, we thank you, Lord, for your awesome mercies for us that, that are new every morning. And so, Lord, we celebrate being able to come together into your presence today. Bless this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Richard. Well, great to see you this morning. You're doing well? You're looking good. Who likes the seating? Wow, isn't that amazing? Even Rachel likes it too. That's cool. We're going to be celebrating birthdays and wedding anniversaries now, and then Claire is going to come and share a testimony. We're going to be hearing uh, from Christine as she reads a psalm, and then we'll be continuing with our time of worship. So if you've had a birthday or a wedding anniversary over the last week, can you give me a wave? Any birthdays? No birthdays. Any wedding anniversaries? Okay, who would like to come out to the front and stand with me and get some chocolate? Come on, Hendrik, you can come and stand with me and have some chocolate. Let's give Hendrik, Hendrik a hand as he comes. You can actually have two bars this morning, Hendrik. Double portion. Very good. But we're going to say this prayer. Why don't you stand with me, church? And let's declare it over everyone this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. And let's give Hendrik a big hand. Thank you, church. Take a seat. Well, it's my pleasure to invite Claire. She's going to come and share a testimony. Let's give her a hand as she comes this morning. Am I tall enough to be here? Good morning, everyone. Hey, um, so Jan's asked me to share a little um, testimony of God's goodness in my community. And when she asked me this um, earlier this week, I thought, awesome. I'm, as some of you know, I'm a GP and I've got some good work stories, but most of them have to be kept confidential. So actually, there aren't a lot of stories I can share. Um, I did have a great encounter with a, a lady earlier this week who told me that she was unwell because God was punishing her. And I said, you know, the God I know is a God of freedom and love and grace and forgiveness. And that was sort of had quite an impact on her so you know I'm really grateful for those moments where I can just plant a seed and speak some truth into people's lives but actually what I would like to talk about this morning is my own family I come from a family of pre-Christians um, my parents my step parents my most of my brothers and sisters are not Christians and um, in the last year or so my father's been quite unwell um, Last year they were overseas and he had a stroke, which was pretty tough. We were getting news via email and phone calls. 
and he lost vision in one side, so one half of his visual field. And of course that delayed their return home. And of course we were praying for him um, that his sight would be restored. And they came home two weeks later and my stepmother said, you know, it's a miracle. He's regained so much vision already. And I said, yeah, well, we've been praying. And that was really neat. And his sight has been fully restored um, to the point where he can drive again, which is amazing. Um, So praise God, that's really great. More recently, they were due to travel again. And about five days before they left, he had a little meeting with an axe. The axe won and his little finger, the tip of his finger lost. (laughs) Um, And it was pretty messy from what I'm told. Um, They were talking about doing plastic surgery and skin grafts. But because he was about to go overseas, they decided just to dress it up and hope for the best. So I said, Dad, well, we'll be praying that it's, you know, gets healed really quickly. Two days after they left, so a week later, we got an email from my stepmother saying, you must have been praying again because his finger's all better. So isn't that awesome? And, you know, I just keep praying for my family. um, And I know that God's using those moments to really reach out to them and hope for the, yeah, just keep praying for them. Thank you. Thank you so much, Claire. That is wonderful. Well, we're going to have a reading from Psalm 26. Christine is going to read to us this morning. Christine's not here. I'm going to read this morning. That's fine. Psalm 26, a psalm of David. He's an amazing songwriter, psalmist, poet that connects with God. And we're going to hear how he connects with God as we read Psalm 26. Let's take a moment to meditate and we'll reflect on this once I've completed reading it. Declare me innocent, O Lord, for I have acted with integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart, for I am always aware of your unfailing love, and I have lived according to your truth. I do not spend time with liars or go along with hypocrites. I hate the gatherings of those who do evil, and I refuse to join in with the wicked. I wash my hands to declare my innocence. I come to your altar, O Lord, singing a song of thanksgiving and telling of all your wonders. I love your sanctuary, Lord the place where your glorious presence dwells. Don't let me suffer the fate of sinners. Don't condemn me along with murderers. Their hands are dirty with evil schemes, and they constantly take bribes. But I'm not like that. I live with integrity. So redeem me and show me mercy. Now I stand on solid ground. I will publicly Praise the Lord. Let's think on that.
morning. It's great to see you this morning. Let's stand and praise and worship our Saviour together.
thank you, Father, that we just need to walk into that, God. And we thank you for the sacrifice that you made. Thank you that we can stand here this morning and say that we have overcome, that we have got the victory, Father. And I just pray that in our situations, in our daily walk, Father, that you will just remind us we have the victory. We have got the victory. The battle is already won. And we thank you, Father, for that. We praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God.
privilege to come before your throne of grace to express our worship and to say to you to, to you be all the glory to you be all the praise all the honor all the power both now and forevermore Father I thank you for your grace the enabling power of your Holy Spirit there's no place where your grace can't touch there's no place where your grace won't reach to transform us into the image of Jesus and churches we're standing in this holy moment I want to give you the opportunity to come out to the front if you have a need of healing a need of breakthrough in your family situation, whatever your need might be, I believe God's grace is here to meet with you this morning. I'd love to stand with you. So as we sing it through the chorus one more time, feel free to come and receive afresh of the goodness and the graciousness of our God. Thank you, Jesus.
Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence here this morning. We love, absolutely love being in your presence. For anyone here this morning, Lord, who's not familiar with the environment of the presence of God, of your presence, I ask that this morning it would feel like a homecoming for them you are good and your arms are outstretched and welcome us on any occasion and every occasion Lord as we look into the scriptures this morning I ask that you'd bring them to life for us that there would be uh, a jumping off this page so to speak of the words that Holy Spirit, you'd take hold of them and you'd, you'd plant things in our hearts and our minds this morning, whether I say them or not, that your will would be accomplished, that your purpose for each of us would be accomplished, that we would each know your voice, that we would each recognize and understand your presence this morning and that you would be lifted up, that the, that the net result of our time together would be that we're encouraged, but most of all, that you would be lifted up you would be glorified. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you say hello to two or three people before you grab a seat and I love Claire's testimony this morning. That was good, wasn't it? I love it even more when I hear a medical doctor saying that we're praying for healing. That, that really does my heart good because, you know, it's awesome. Good on you. Good. Very, very good. Well, we're carrying on in the book of Ephesians this morning. And um, I'm clicking into chapter 3 just before we get to September because I thought it was, you know, we're never going to get there, are we? So if you've got your Bibles, open up. Grant, I don't know how hard it is for you. I should have asked you beforehand if you're able to bring up. I'm going to read from verse 1 to about verse 13, if it's possible. If it's not, don't worry about it. See how you go. So click your Bibles open, turn them open, whatever you've got to do. We're in Ephesians chapter 3, starting from verse 1. When I think of all of this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending His grace to you Gentiles, Gentiles being anyone who's not a Jew. As I briefly wrote earlier, God Himself revealed His mysterious plan to me. 
as you read what I've written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by His Spirit, He has revealed it to His holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equal rights in the rich, equally in the riches inherited by the children of God. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promises or the promise of blessing because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving Him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. We've just been doing that. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Lord, I pray this morning that uh, your word will be accomplished, that the hearing of your word will accomplish what you intend it to accomplish, and that your purposes will be fulfilled this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> At the very start of that passage, it says, when I think of all of this, well, all of this is everything that's preceded this in the book of Ephesians. So if you can't remember what that is, go home tonight, this afternoon, and uh, read chapters 1 and 2, and you'll be up to speed with the context of where chapter 3 starts from. You jump down to verse 6, and it says, And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body, and both enjoy the promises of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. In other words, whether you're a Jew this morning or whether you're not, every, every promise that is in the Scripture is yours. Every promise for those who believe in Him. Every promise that's in the Scripture. Does that apply to me or not? Absolutely it does. Every promise is there, is for you. I love as we jump down just a little bit further, um, verse 8, it says, um, though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them. The endless treasures of heaven are relationship. That's what it's talking about. The endless treasures of heaven are relationship with God. Now, we often, you know, we'll go straight to gold and precious jewels and fast cars and all those kind of things as being treasures, but the treasures that the Bible talks about is relationship. And in your life, as you think about your life, I think this becomes clearer as you get older and older, the true treasures in our life are relationships. When we're young, it's pretty easy to head toward things because, you know, they're all shiny and sparkly. As we get older, relationship means more and more and more to us. 
And then I love this other part, just carrying down into verse 9. I was chosen to explain everyone to everyone this mysterious plan of God. God had a plan from the very start. He didn't wake up this morning and go, oh my goodness, look what's happening in the world today. How am I going to deal with it? What shall I do? He's not freaking out. He's had a plan from the start, which he is outworking, which he is outworking. And we have the privilege to be part of his plan in this time. But the verse I want to focus on, or verses this morning, are seven and eight. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the disadvantage of serving him by spreading this good news. No, that's not what it says. By God's grace and power, I've been given the handicap of serving him. Oh, doesn't it? By God's power and grace, I've been given the hindrance of serving him. Okay. By God's mighty power or grace and mighty power, I've been given the loss of serving him. Keep going. By God's grace and mighty power, I've been given the misfortune of serving him. By God's mighty power and grace, I've been given the restriction of serving him. No. By God's mighty power and grace, I've been given the determent of serving him. Oh, I'll try this. By God's mighty power and grace, I've been given the privilege. Yeah. I knew it was here somewhere. The privilege is, privilege means a special right, advantage, or immunity granted or available to a particular person or to a group. It is a privilege to serve God. It is an incredible privilege to serve God. See, God uh, Paul says, I've been given this incredible privilege of serving. And we can say that this morning. I've been given this incredible privilege of serving God. I can remember when I was 15 years old, and I was only just 15 years old, I got my driver's license. This is before the days of restricted and learners and all those kind of things. This is... You rock down to the uh, police station. You did your paperwork. You drive around the block with the, you know, the policeman in the car. They gave you your piece of paper, and you were out of there, and you were legal. <laughs> and I remember getting my driver's license, and it was awesome. I've been waiting to get my driver's license, I think, since I was conceived. And when it finally came, it was like fantastic. And um, this this is special for me now because our oldest boy is just. He's going solo now, you know. He just got his restricted. And boy, it's, I love watching him drive out. He said to me the other day, he said, Dad, is it still freaky watching me drive out on my own? I said, no, it's awesome because I'm not driving out. <laughs> I'm at home. It's lovely. And um, anyway, I remember, and I remember, <coughs> it must have been late in the week. I can't remember what day. But I remember that Saturday morning, Mum and Dad were having a bit of a lion. And they called me, and they called out and asked me to come up to their, their bedroom. And I, I went up to their bedroom, and they just looked at me, and they said, I think Dad said, can you just pop down the road and grab a paper and a bottle of milk? And it was like, yes. <laughs> this is the first time I've been given the family car. This is like, yes. Actually, my dad was quite smart. It was a family van. He, he figured it couldn't go too fast. But he's not in this service, so I can tell you it did awesome handbrake slides. 
actually, actually, a few years later, I got quite a, a, a sporty car, and my, um, and, and my um, kind of our family tradition is someone gets a new car, you go and you'll drive it. I don't know why that is, but it is. And um, Dad jumps in my car, and he thrashes it up the road like he's just about killing this thing. Poor car, and he just looks at me and smiles, and he goes, revenge. <laughs> anyway, I remember the immense privilege of just driving a few Ks on my own down to get the paper, down to get the milk and bring it home, that feeling of privilege that it was to drive and to drive by myself. How quickly does that sense of privilege turn to a sense of right or a sense of entitlement and that stupid driver in front of me going 45 on a 50 road or 80 on a 100 road, get off the road, my right to go 100. Yet, it was such an incredible privilege. We, we very, very quickly go from a place of privilege to a place of right, to a place of entitlement. I, uh, I got a job when I was 13 or 14 at the local butcher. And um, this is all fresh in my memory because it turns out that Alan Hall knows the butcher. Where are you, Alan? Somewhere. Knows the butcher. He, he um, emailed me the other day. Said he'd been talking to you. And um, so I haven't talked to this guy since I was, you know, 14. But what an incredible privilege it was to work in his butchery after school cleaning out the mince machine, the sausage machine, scraping the paint off the window and all those kind of things and getting probably five bucks at the end of the week or something. I don't know. <laughs> what an incredible privilege. Even though I was as green as green as green, one day they there, I was there and they, him and his offsider said to me, you should try these things. They're the latest rage in all the, the bars. Everyone's eating them everywhere. You'll love them. They're beautiful. And I was like hesitant. And they it's okay, just have one. You won't kill you. Everyone's eating them. So I took one and I took a bite, not knowing it was a Tabasco pepper. I'm on fire and getting hotter and hotter and hotter. So I didn't know you had to have a degree in drama to be a butcher, but it appears you did. So, so that, oh, I'm so sorry. We should never have done that to you. Have this. It'll get the taste out of your mouth. You'll feel much better. And they gave me chocolate. Yeah, laxative chocolate. <laughs> lots of it. Lots of it, too. Paid the price all night long. But how quickly that sense of privilege leaves us. You know, it was such a privilege to have a job. And how many of us think employment's a right now? You know, that person owns a job, they should, uh, a business, they should employ me. It's my right that they employ me. Well, how about it's a privilege to be employed? Whatever, how about it's a privilege for me to be able to go to work somewhere or to own a business or whatever the case is and to be able to, as a result, supply the needs of my family, be able to look after my family. We so quickly change from being people who enjoy privilege to people who interpret privilege as a right or as entitlement. I have an orange chair at home. It's my chair. Jan thought it was a good idea until it meant I don't sit on the couch with her as much as I used to because I sit on my chair. 
My boys like to sit on my chair. But when I walk in the room, it's like, lads, off. It's my chair. But they think they own it. They're always smart. No, 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 we're here first. Lads, it's a privilege to sit in my chair. It's not your right. Get off. I mean, it's as far as it goes. I can't wrestle them off. I'll get killed. So, but, you know, how, how quickly does it change from right, uh, from privilege to right? Paul said, I've been given the privilege of serving. The privilege of serving. I became, the NIV says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift. It was a gift for him to do what he does. And the message says, it came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise. Talking about the gospel, but now his, his, um, God's request for him to take the gospel. The uh, voice uh, translation says, I became a servant by the gift of God's amazing grace. I love that. By the gift of God's amazing grace, undeserved favor. So I live in this privileged position. You live in this incredibly privileged position. Breen Brown, an author, said, what separates privilege from entitlement is gratitude. I thought that was very good. Alan Lightman from, uh, he wrote Reunion, he said this, he said, human beings consider themselves satisfied only compared to some other condition. A man who has owned nothing but a bicycle all of his life feels suddenly wealthy the moment he buys an automobile. But this happy sensation wears off. After a while, the car becomes just another thing that he owns. Moreover, when his neighbor next door buys two cars in an instant, our man feels wretchedly poor and deprived. Privilege can be subjective. What is privilege? What is not? You know, we live in one of the most privileged countries in the world. We live in the top few percent of, of wealthy nations in the world. In New Zealand, it's, it's very subjective what is privilege or not. It's privilege that I'm not privileged now because my car's just gone older than 10 years. Well, you've got a car. That's privileged. Privilege doesn't mean things always coming my way. I think we misinterpret it. Privilege doesn't mean things always coming my way, and privilege doesn't mean ease doesn't. Privilege doesn't mean safe. Yet we would like to think that privilege means all those things. Privilege doesn't mean safe at all. Privilege is costly. Actually, I think privilege is really, really costly. I've heard it said that the safest place to be on earth is serving Jesus in the center of Jesus' perfect will. I've heard it said that that's the safest place to be. But you know, I think this is totally untrue. I think that's an incredible place of privilege. And it's a great place to be, but it's not a safe place. The privilege of serving has an incredible price, and we should never forget this. Serving comes at a cost. Privilege, sorry, comes at a cost. It comes at an incredible cost. It's a, 
well, let's look just for a moment at the, some of the Bible characters who were in the perfect will of, we would say they were in the perfect will of God. Let's look at Joseph. What a crazy journey. What a crazy, crazy journey. Now, it was a privileged journey. We look at the end and you go, wow, you were incredibly privileged. God put you in these positions and you, and you had incredible influence on the known world at the time. It was so privileged, but what a crazy journey. And it certainly wasn't safe. He went from being thrown into a cistern to working in um, Potiphar's house as a slave to where he was accused falsely and went to jail for a long, long time to where he finally, what a crazy journey. He was privileged, yes, but there's no way. He was, it was a safe journey. What about David? Incredibly privileged. Hunted by King Saul. Hunted by him. Trying to kill him. Certainly wasn't safe. What about Jesus? No one gets more in the will of God than Jesus. He is God. No one. Yet they hung him on a cross. Tortured him and killed him incredibly privileged position incredibly privileged he he was the he is the savior for all humankind past present future what a cost what about john well he was beheaded what about peter well evidence would say that he was crucified upside down what about James? He was killed by Herod. What about Jude? He was martyred. What about Paul, who wrote this very scripture we're looking at? Evidence would suggest that he was probably beheaded by Nero. But then even take the beheading out of it. What about the shipwrecks, the beatings, being stoned and everything else? Yet he says, I'm incredibly privileged to be chosen to bring the gospel to everybody. But my goodness, that's not a safe place to live. I wonder what's happening in your world that you felt was a privilege. You even felt you're called by God to do it, perhaps. But the pressures come on and you're going, well, is this a privilege or is this a trial? It's my right that I should be able to serve Jesus in this capacity in peace. Or in, you know, things should just happen. They should unfold around me. My experience is that every time I seem to get some momentum going in my service of Christ and the fruit of what we want to see happen, something happens. And it's not my right to expect an easy ride. It's my privilege to be on the journey. C.S. Lewis said, when he was talking of Aslan the lion who represents Christ, he said, he's not safe, but he is good. There is an immense privilege in serving Jesus. An immense privilege. And it'll cost you. It will cost you. It may cost you everything. It's one of the things that baptism is about, is that when we baptize people, they go, you die to self, and you're raised alive in Christ. That's what it's symbolic of. You die to self. In other words, it's going to cost you everything. And you're raised up anew in Christ. There's a, a cost to it. Privilege involves sacrifice. So let me just ask you a couple of questions. Because as you know, I love asking questions. Are you living the life of a disciple? And if you are, what does that look like? Because the life of a disciple is a privileged life. 
but what does that look like? Well, the life of a disciple would mean that you have been baptised. Oh, but I don't know if... uh, No, I haven't been baptised. I don't know if I want to be baptised. I don't know... uh, No, there's lots of questions around baptised. Well, really, I don't care. The Bible says, Matthew 28, go baptise. Be baptised. Sort it out. If you're a disciple, get baptised. That's right, it was good enough for Jesus. Oh, yeah, I've got baptism sorted. I'm sweet. Great. You bring your tithe in regularly? Tithes and offerings? Do we give? Are we generous? The Bible tells me that's the one thing in Malachi that I'm allowed to test God in. It's his response to my bringing the tithe. Oh, that's not fair. Well, I just said privilege has a cost. Discipleship has a cost. I'm a disciple of Christ. No, I won't give him any of my money. Why not? 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, Be generous on every occasion. Oh, but I can't afford it. No, well, neither can I. It doesn't mean I don't. It means it's part of being a disciple of Christ. See, I know I'm talking to a bunch of people here who disagree with me because I know that our giving over a year is X number at the church and and um, I know that roughly if everyone tithes, it would be more than double what we receive. Okay, so this is a big issue in our Western world that people don't get what it is to be a disciple of Christ with our finances. Oh, but it costs so much money. No, it doesn't. It's just telling every power, including God, that my, well, it's not even mine, the money I steward does not rule me I'm giving it back to you first and you can provide and I pray that I have the same promise as the children of Israel had that my sandals won't wear out that's kind of the equivalent to the tyres of my car the engine won't break down the fridge will keep going the curtains won't go rotten the carpet will last all those kind of things God's able what about this I'm doing all those things that's great that's great well do you serve the body of Christ do you serve? Do you serve the church? Do you serve in the church? This is not even counting what God's called you to do outside. This is just about being part of the family and, and pulling your weight. Do you serve with your time, with your treasure, with your, your talent? Because 1 Corinthians 12 says that we are all parts of a body and that when we all work together, the body works good. Oh, but that's, I don't want to. Well, who said anything about want to? It's about the other side of privilege. It's the other side of discipleship with Christ. Oh, but it's inconvenient. Who said anything about inconvenience? It's all about being part of the body, the body of Christ. What are you doing to help out? See, I reckon that as I read Scripture, I think the dream of Jesus is that the church is so attractive to the world that the world just cannot stay away. They're going, I don't get it, but I want what they got. I don't understand it for a minute, but those groups groups of people, those churches, those church thingies, man, those people have got it sorted. If you're part of one of those, it just it, it changes, it seems to change your world, change your life. And then of course the purpose of the church is to touch the community, isn't it? 
Well, I do all those things. Well, what about global mission? What about sowing beyond our shores into what God's doing around the globe? What about the greater family? Again, it's the other side of privilege. We live in an incredibly privileged country where we actually have the resource to sow in, to affect the other side of the world. Oh, but no, I don't want to do that either. That's all right. Okay, so let's just forget all of those things. What's another side of privilege as a disciple of Christ? I think it's building our relationship with God. Oh, well, that's flippin' inconvenient, isn't it? Do you know what time I get up in the work in the morning to go to work? I haven't got time to pray. I haven't got time to read my Bible. I haven't got time to come to church. Oh, true. Are you a disciple or are you not a disciple? Are you living in this privileged place of discipleship? An heir in the kingdom of God, or are you not? Yeah, but that's... Yeah, but wherever, whenever. I think all of these things that I'm talking about, because you've gone very, very quiet now, I think they're all a response to privilege. I do. I think they're all a response to privilege. But maybe you're sitting there and you're going, look, look, I don't care, and there's no way... It's, uh, I'm doing all of that. It's my right to do whatever I want. And do you know what the answer to that is? True. It is. It's true. You can do whatever you want. Go for it. You do whatever you want to do. It's okay. But can I just say this? If you're now living, if you do that and you're calling yourself a disciple of Christ, you're no longer living in a place of an, of privilege, you're now living in a place of entitlement and a place of right, which is kind of dangerous because entitlement and rights are rooted in pride. And pride in 1 Peter 5, 5 and also I think um, Proverbs 3, it says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, which means that actually we are choosing to remove ourselves from his perfect will So we don't even need to worry about whether we're safe or not anymore because God is resisting us. And that's a bad place to be. But all of that, in the words of my friend, just a thought. Serving Christ in any capacity on any day is always a privilege. We need to remind ourselves of that. Serving Christ is a privilege. Obeying his call is always a privilege. Knowing his call is a privilege. Being able to respond and journey with him is a privilege. Today is a privilege. Today, even sitting here today, even being together today is a great privilege. It is great to live from the place of privilege. And here's the thing. We're all designed to live in that place. And we're all designed to live from that place. We're all designed to be journeying with God. How do we journey with God? We receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The choice is ours whether we live from a place of privilege or not. Choosing him is a privilege, but it will cost. Let's not fool ourselves. It will cost. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father except by me. He also said, if you confess me before God and man, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. 
Paul said, God saved you by grace when you believed. God saved you by grace when you believed. Can I just ask you to bow your heads for a moment? Because, you know, pursuing God is a choice. He's done everything. All we've got to do is choose him to walk with him, but you are worth it. Will it cost you? Yes, it will, but you are worth it. You were designed to walk with God. You're designed to walk with your creator. The muses like to come be great, thanks. I don't know where you come from this week. I don't know what your weeks look like. I don't know if you're walking with God. I don't know if you're first time you've ever been in church. I don't know if it's the first time you've heard anything about God. I really don't know. But this morning, I would like to give you the opportunity to invite Jesus into your world and to start a journey with him. Now, it could be the first time you've ever done that, or you could have done that before, and you could have been journeying with him, and for whatever reason, you've stepped back. I know I've pushed some of the cost side this morning, but what you need to hear is it's an incredible privilege to walk with Jesus. And it's one that is available to all of us, and it is dependent on choice, because God has given us the ability to choose, and he values choice. And this morning he says, you can choose me, and you choose me in this world, you've you've chosen me for eternity. Or he says, you can choose to have nothing to do with me. It is your choice. Just understand that the cost of not choosing me is far, far, far greater than the cost of choosing me. And it's an eternal cost. In this moment, I'm just going to ask you to lift a hand in a minute if you're saying, Jesus, I want to walk with you. I want to step back into relationship with you. I really want to do life with you. If that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to say, I will invite you to lift your hand. and I'm just asking you to give me a wave so we can help you out, so we can do anything we can to help you on that journey. Be the greatest decision you'll ever make. Yes, it will be costly, but in a great sense. To develop relationship with the creator of the universe, the one who designed you, the one who called you into being, the one who loves you, the one who went to a cross and died so that you can now walk in relationship with him by simply saying, yes, I choose to do that. And that, friends, is an incredibly privileged place to be. This morning, if you would like to make that decision, if you're saying, yes, Jesus, I'd like to start journeying with you, and it's the first time, or maybe not, maybe you're coming back again and saying, look, I've got way off track, I'm just coming back again. While everyone's heads bowed, can you give me a wave just so I can see your hand? Make sure I see your hand, please, that'd be great.
couple more seconds. That's great. What I'd like us to do as we finish is two things. The first is I would invite each one of us to surrender afresh to Jesus this morning. Just take a couple of moments to position ourselves before him and surrender all to him again. Acknowledge the incredible place of privilege that we live in. And the second thing I would invite us to consider is where has privilege turned into right? Or where has privilege turned into entitlement for you? And as we sing the last song, I think there's a great opportunity here for us to get before God and to repent. Repent literally means turn and walk another way. So you examine your life, just be honest before Him. He knows what's going on anyway and say, well, Lord, I think this whole area, whatever it is, has turned into an entitlement or a right. And I'm asking you this morning to help me step into a place of seeing it as privilege. And allow ourselves to get a revelation that every moment of every day is privilege. Every moment of every day walking with Jesus and serving Jesus is immense privilege. Amen. Father, I ask that you'd continue to work in our hearts and that we would have the boldness to stand before you this morning and make the adjustments that need to be made. Father, that we would have the boldness to agree with you to change some things. That we would have the boldness to agree with you to put some things in correct perspective this morning. And that we would choose to live from a place of immense privilege. Amen. to that just encourage you to stand back to your feet or stay sitting if that's how you want to respond and we'll continue to worship the Lord Let your name be lifted up and glorified.
Father, we thank you for the incredible privilege it is to be in your house, to worship you, to receive from your word. And Father, may we truly walk, I pray, with a heart, with a mindset, with an attitude that we are the most privileged people on the earth. Never take for granted what you have given to us, that we might, wherever and whenever, be like Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Why don't you put your hands together? Appreciation for Pastor Sheridan. Great message. Can I encourage you to come out tonight, 6 p.m.? Pastor Sheridan will be speaking again. And as you leave, can I encourage you also to be purposed in your giving, the giving station. And if you're a visitor with us today, as you leave, as you